are tuned to the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast, the place for the very best in news, injury reports, and stat lines for the 2019 CFL Fantasy Football season. Now, here is this week's show. We're up to week 9 in the Canadian Football League season and episode 86 of the Onside CFL Fantasy Podcast. Dan the Stats Guy here making a return to the show this week alongside Ben Kramer. Feels good to be back on the podcast and obviously with me being back on that means no Dave Dawson this week and Ben, Dave has been billing this as an episode of Two Stat Nerds. Do you think we can get through the whole episode with at least some X's and O's? instead of nothing but stats and numbers? If you mean including a whole bunch of narrative spin from some reporters and stuff that means nothing and takes people down paths, yeah, I think we can probably get there. Well, I think the safest route is to go the stats and numbers. I mean, it it, it, it is a little bit of a foolproof system in my mind because the stats a lot of times don't lie. Yeah, go team math. <laughs> now, I understand Dave has a pretty good reason for not being here this week, and I do know the reason, actually. Um, and as a result, I thought it would be a good way to kick off the episode uh, with a little game of two truths, and, two truths and a lie. I'll say three statements for the reasons he might not be here, but two are true, one is a lie, and you know we can kind of go through and maybe figure out the reason why Dave isn't on this week's episode. So I might as well get things started here. Reason number one, uh, the reason that he might not be on the show this week is He's going away this weekend for a few days for on a little bit of a trip, and he needed to pack for the trip. Um, seems like a good enough reason. Uh, reason number two why Dave isn't on this week's show, it's his mom's birthday today, and he wants to be a good son and spend under, uninterrupted, full-focused time with her, you know, serving her birthday cake, everything else. That, to me, seems like a pretty good reason as well. Reason number three why he isn't here. Here's here's another option. Uh, he's actually going to Toronto, and uh, he's on his way actually to CFL headquarters. The reason he's doing that, he's demanding a second camera angle on the SGA Green game-winning touchdown in the Argos 28-27 victory over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's still adamant that that was not a touchdown. Ben, what do you think? Out of those three, which one is the lie? Well, it's hard to say for sure, but it seemed like Dave kind of set up a protest camp on Twitter this last weekend after the SJ stuff going on. He wasn't thinking too much else, so I don't think he was spending too much time doing very many other things, whether it was packing or going on a trip or whatever. Uh, We'll go with the first one probably isn't the case. Well, you know what? It, it seems like that's a, a, a really good direction to go. We'll leave it to next week. Dave can speak to it next week on the reason why he isn't here, but uh, hopefully as the week goes on, he gets uh, a little bit more answers out of the CFL office. So matchup stats this week are brought to you by, and as they are each and every week, SK Divestitures Group. Uh, we'll go right into the first segment here, the knuckle tap or give him crap. That was introduced last week by you guys, and uh, I thought it was a pretty good segment. Uh, so kind of uh, props to give on someone for a good week, maybe call them out for a bad week, uh, you know, a little bit of accountability on uh, the weeks that happen. So uh, I'll go first. Uh, one that I've been going through and, and kind of looking at the last couple weeks here, uh, he's been playing with a, a young quarterback, and it seems like they're building a little bit of chemistry. He's uh, he's really been bringing it the last two weeks especially. That's Reggie Bagleton of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the last two weeks, last week against Edmonton, 6-for-6 six six for 62 yards, 
Two weeks ago versus the Ottawa Red Blacks, seven targets, seven catches, 78 yards. So over the last two weeks, 13 targets, 13 catches, 140 yards. Bagleton has been brigging in. He's just been consistent all season long. You take out the 76-yard uh, play versus the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're seeing a guy a, a 10 to 11 yard average each play. And, and a, a lot of times you look at that and you go, well, that's not much of an average, but he catches everything. 83% catch rate. The one I like Ben 200 yards after the catch. In fact, you take out that 76 yard play against the Rough Riders. He still has 124 yards after the catch on the other 30, 37 receptions, which would still barely put him outside the top 10 for receivers in the league at 11th in yards after the catch. Reggie Bagleton, this knuckle tap is for you. Uh, my second one, and uh, we had a little bit of fun with his name on Twitter, but he, we got a little bit of a taste of it in the preseason uh, from the Ottawa Red Blacks, Devontae Dedman. In total, 377 total kick return yards uh, along with two TDs. He was the one that turned the field for the Red Blacks against the Alouettes last week and led them to the victory, including the 111-yard kickoff return. Devontae Dedman, you're looking, it's looking like, according to Tim Baines from the uh, Ottawa Sun, like you're going to be getting some offensive opportunities, a $2,500 value on CFL and TSN. Ben, I, there might be a knuckle tap a couple weeks in a row here from Devontae Dedman. Yeah, it's pretty rare that teams get kick return touchdowns two weeks in a row. I think Saskatchewan had that versus BC back a couple weeks ago, and that was the first time in franchise history they'd had two weeks in a row. So it's pretty rare, but certainly he's the kind of guy who has Deontay Spencer-type upside if he's going to get usage as a return man and a half dozen targets on offense, maybe. That's a pretty massive thing to try to overlook for only $2,500. Yeah, so on your side of things, you've got uh, a couple here that uh, want a knuckle tap, want to give them a crap. Who, who are your players for this week? Well, me and everybody else in the world thought that Andrew Harris was in for a good game last week, so it's not like I can stand on my soapbox for long and take a lot of credit. But at least Harris came through this time and put up 30-plus points for me when I said that he was probably the closest thing to a lock last week versus Toronto. It was amazing that Winnipeg still managed to fumble the game away versus Toronto, but it was nice that Harris had a good outing for his fantasy owners. The one that really kind of gave me a rough ride last week was John Crockett. I expected a lot more out of him after the way that he was able to put up six or seven yards of carry consistently with John Jennings under center. I thought Dom Davis and at least the threat of downfield pass it open lanes up a bit more for him versus Montreal that frankly isn't that good versus the run but he was only getting about two or three yards of carry until the fourth quarter before he finally squeaked out a little bit over six fantasy points and that's just not nearly enough for the salary he's coming in at even though it's pretty cheap so that was a pretty major disappointment in week eight yeah that Ottawa offense uh, a little bit of a head scratcher so far this season some frustrating moments if you've had them in your lineup and uh, players coming in and out of the lineup will get to one that uh, potentially could be back in the lineup. I know last week he was close, and, and we'll get to that as we move into notable changes for Week 9. Uh, the big one, Bo Levi Mitchell. The depth chart came out on Wednesday. Bo Levi Mitchell still out for Week 9. Won't play against the Blue Bombers in the Thursday night game uh, against the Bombers. So Nick Arbuckle will continue to start. And I think for the, the Stampeders, it's been working well with Arbuckle. Not a whole lot of... Uh, you know, a downgrade from him staying in the lineup against the Bombers. 
Frankly, it's interesting that statistically speaking, Arbuckle projects higher than Mitchell would have this week. Yeah, that pectoral injury keeps Mitchell out. It would have been a little bit of a gamble, I think, if you would have seen him in the lineup because who knows how he could throw downfield. And I think a smart move by the Calgary Stampeders there on the Winnipeg side of things. Only one really uh, on the defense to look at. Uh, Obviously, Darvin Adams on the six-game injured list now uh, continues on there. So Chris Matthews will continue to get the starts at boundary wide receiver. But on the defense, Brandon Alexander will be out for week nine and rookie Chris Humes draws into the lineup. That is a field side spot, not a real side that the Stampeders use a whole lot. They have the two Canadians outside, so nothing really there for us to go into detail on. But one that I'm, I'm kind of curious to get your opinion on, Shaq Evans didn't practice uh, on Tuesday. Uh, no update on Wednesday, I don't believe, uh, with the ankle injury, kind of got tied up with LJ McCray at practice. So with Shaq Evans, a little bit of a question mark, uh, Kenny Stafford could potentially make his debut. How are you evaluating that one, Ben? Yeah, Evans hasn't practiced at all yet this week, and he was unclear as to whether he got on the plane to Montreal today. So we won't likely know until we see the depth chart come out. If Evans is out, it's been said that Stafford will play and start versus Montreal this week. But how much you can really expect out of a receiver with only a couple of practices with his new team is pretty minimal, I think. Maybe if he starts at the boundary-wide receiver position in Evans' spot, he gets three, four, five targets. But I think more than likely you'd see a lot more action towards Naaman Roosevelt and Kyron Moore than you'd see a whole lot of interest in Stafford without much practice time there. Yeah, people have been waiting for the big Naaman Roosevelt game for him to break out. We've seen a couple big games from uh, Shaq Evans and from Kyron Moore. Uh, the potential is there on this Montreal defense who is giving up yards. Vernon Adams, he's been carrying that Montreal team a lot of weeks and, and doing a lot of things. Great chemistry that he's had with Quan Bray. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder what what kind of a step down that is with Antonio Pipkin uh, in the lineup there. Danback is out this week, too. So it's going to be the Pipkin and Jeremiah Johnson show in Montreal. And that's a little bit of a mess if we're getting into that one. Moving on to the late game on Friday there, the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling out to Edmonton. And of course, as Ben mentioned, the big trade is Kenny Stafford makes his way to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, the Eskimos get a return man back in Christian Jones. Uh, potential for him maybe with Martise Jackson sliding out. Uh, but again, that's one that, uh, you know, unless you need the room, maybe aren't really needing. But the, the big ones for the Eskimos coming back into the lineup, Greg Ellingson, the slot back, expected to return to the lineup. And then with Stafford going out, you've got some things to watch for on the depth chart and on the game day roster. Potentially DeVaris Daniels in at the boundary wide receiver, but we've also talked about this uh, just before we started recording, the possibility of maybe even Kevin Elliott, if Daniels is a game-time decision and can't go, that maybe Kevin Elliott could be in at that boundary wide receiver spot. Yeah, we'll have to see what the depth chart brings, but my guess is that if Daniels plays, you'll probably see Elliott at that field-wide receiver position, kind of the exile that happens out there. But if Daniels is out again as a game-day scratch, then I think there's a good shot Elliott stands into that boundary-wide receiver spot and gets another six or seven targets this week. Yeah, he looked pretty good filling in Greg Ellingson's spot there against the Stampeders. And Elliott, a veteran in the league, somebody that uh, I think... uh, you know, understands Trevor Harris and what he's doing. The two have played together before. So the the continuation of Trevor Harris with guys he's played with before. And speaking of guys he's played with before, moving over to his former team, the Ottawa Red Blacks, 
their big guy early on in the season and someone that I think a lot of people are excited, uh, particularly maybe in season long, to get him back in the lineup. That's slot back RJ Harris. He's expected to return after missing three games. He potentially could be in that boundary slot back position and bump Noel Thomas out or potentially be in at the uh, field slot back and uh, you could uh, potentially see him over there. So uh, RJ Harris, that's probably a big one into the auto lineup, I'd assume. Yeah, he was getting just about nine targets a game early on this season and close to leading the league in air yards per week. He's a guy who's just kind of on the edge of breaking out and really having a big week, but he was consistently between 12 and 15 fantasy points on any given week at a pretty reasonable mid-tier price range. I think if Harris is back, he probably shifts into his same spot that he was in, in that boundary slot back spot, and we see Noel Thomas head back to the bench. Yeah, that to me seems like, and especially the chemistry that he had with Dom Davis early on in the season, trying to get that Red Blacks offense going, it seems like I can just imagine in that Ottawa room, you know, having a target and a, and a talent like RJ Harris, and then you add in the potential of Deadman on a few plays and, and maybe a few gadget plays, uh, potential maybe for opportunity there against a very, very difficult Edmonton Eskimos defense. Moving on to Saturday, the Hamilton Ticats and the BC Lions. A big one here, but a big money guy on CFLTSN. The $14,000 man, Brandon Banks, missed last week's game in Saskatchewan, but indications that he will be back in the lineup. Ben, I know that for you, you see him as sort of maybe not deserving that $14,000, but he is uh, one of the premier receivers in the CFL, and it would be big for the Ticats to have him back. Yeah, I think he's the best offensive weapon in the league, but I don't think anybody is worth $14,000 in fantasy circles. It's a pretty absurd price tag, so I think he's pretty much out of commission as far as fantasy purposes go, but it's a real shame because he's about as exciting a receiver as we've seen in some time. Yeah, with those uh, tie cats, they're kind of into a place now where they need a win, and uh, him with Dane Evans maybe building some chemistry for the second half of the season is important. We'll move on to start, sit, and swap right now, and uh, we'll start again with that Thursday night game. Calgary Stampeders in Winnipeg. Their big target guy, Eric Rogers, the boundary slot back, and I, and I know they have a trio of receivers there, but Rogers at this point is the most targeted guy. 49 targets on the season, 32 catches, 7 a game. Last week, 3 targets, 2 catches against the Eskimos. He'll line up for the most part against Marcus Sales, and Sales is an interesting one to look at from the defensive side. He's the second highest targeted player in the CFL, 23.5%, but he's just giving up a 50.8 completion rate. But on the flip side of that as well, 72.6 yards per game to boundary slot back. Rogers in at 85-31 on CFL TS, on TSN. On the Winnipeg side, the boundary slot back as well, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. Who do you consider now with Adams out of the lineup, the big targeted guy? At this point, it looks like Lucky Whitehead will uh, kind of be that guy to the, to a certain extent. 34 targets on the season, 25 catches, 4.9 targets per game. Last week, and, and Ben, I know that you touched on this on last week's podcast, four targets, three catches, but just 13 yards. So nothing really as far as a depth of target uh, for Lucky Whitehead. He'll line up against Brandon Smith, the boundary halfback of the Calgary Stampeders. 18.8 targets, uh, target percentage, uh, 74.5 completion rate. That's the highest among a boundary side uh, player. 
and Lucky Whitehead comes in at 5,257. When you look at the, the Stampeder side, maybe the Bomber side, you almost have to look at them as a team, as a whole. Uh, how are you evaluating between Rogers and Whitehead? Yeah, if I was going to pick the two of them, it would probably be Whitehead just because I think he's got more big play potential versus a Winnipeg defense that's frankly kind of overrated. They've been giving up over 320 yards passing per game outside of those two games versus Ottawa and the, the injury game to Mazzoli. And I think that uh, Calgary could come in and put up a fair bit of yardage there. Whitehead gives a little bit more opportunity for that big play and comes at a lot cheaper price tag. Rogers' targets just are tough to pin down as Rogers, Ambles, and Bagleton all get pretty similar number of targets. And Rogers is basically in the place. He's only averaging about two yards after catch per catch. He's not running anywhere with the ball anymore. If the target isn't in the end zone, it's not going for a score. And his value is really in those touchdowns. So at 8,500, he's just priced a little bit too high for my taste. That's how I kind of looked at it as well. You know, with Calgary there, maybe the values might be a little bit to the other two guys. Ambles is a little bit down. We'll get into your top plays and building a lineup later on. But I agree with you. I think that Eric Rogers, just at that dollar amount, just maybe a little bit too high to uh, expect much of a floor. And and obviously with the yardage given up by Winnipeg, there it could be there, but it might not be Rodgers and might be one of the other guys. Uh, moving over onto the Friday game, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Montreal Alouettes. The Rough Riders, Kyron Moore with Shaq Evans out of lineup. Then Moore becomes the big target guy. 41 targets on the season, 31 catches. He's the field slot back on the outside. 5.9 targets per game. He was seven targets, six catches last week in a pretty good performance in that game. He'll be going up against the former Stampeder, Siante Evans, 20.4% uh, targets. The only field side player getting more than 20% of targets on average a game. So he's a highly targeted guy, 68.1% completion rate and 76.2 yards uh, per game. So Siante Evans is getting targeted a lot. He's giving up a lot. And Kyron Moore comes in at 7,436 on CFL and TSN. Over to the Alouette side, the field slot back on the inside, Quan Bray. And he's been a real revelation with Vernon Adams. We'll see if he can keep it going with Antonio Pipkin. 34 targets per game, or 34 targets in total, 24 catches on the season, eight and a half targets per game. So a big target guy with Vernon Adams last week, nine targets, six catches for the Alouettes. He'll be lining up, lining up against Derek Moncrief, who's been targeted 17.3% of the time, 81.1% completion rate. That's the second highest among Sam linebackers and 38.7 yards per game. Quan Bray, you look at that number, Ben, $4,306 versus Kyron Moore, $7,436. I think I know the direction you're going with, but maybe with Vernon Adams, I might be wrong on this. Is it Quan Bray that you would be looking at a little bit more? I like Kyron Moore probably as my top receiver on the board this week. I think between the possible bump in targets that he'll get, the matchup with Montreal and the yardage per target that they give up, his involvement as a punt returner, and the, frankly he might get work as a kick returner this week as well with Lucia Purifor also injured this week and the departure of Christian Jones. I think the ceiling is exceptionally high for Moore 
given all those stats and the floor is quite safe given that he's getting five six targets a game and getting a lot of drag routes that are easy catches for him so he's right near the top of my list versus who anyone you would compare him to and Bray scares me a little bit given that we just don't know what Pipkin's going to be able to do in his career he's got a one to four interception TD ratio it's really bad for his turnovers most of his value from a fantasy perspective has come as a runner rather than a passer and I think Brays could see his opportunities kind of get squandered away a fair bit and Pipkin is a little bit more interested in attacking Smog or Smeagol in a movie with Lord of the Rings than he is attacking the Riders defense this week. Yeah, well, I think with the Alouettes there, it is a little bit of a gamble. The Rough Riders defense is bringing it, and there is maybe a little bit of a too much of a gamble, even on that low dollar amount there. So I, I agree with you. I think Moore looks like a pretty good option there. Uh, the late game on Friday, the Ottawa Red Blacks at the Edmonton Eskimos. We'll start with the guy that we already talked about, RJ Harris, likely in at the boundary slot back position again. Again, check the depth charts. It could affect things a little bit as far as the matchups go, but on the season for RJ Harris, 35 targets, 23 catches, 8.8 targets per game. He didn't play the last three weeks. And this is one that it could be a little bit of a change up in the Edmonton defense. It could be Money Hunter. Josh Johnson could slide over to the boundary halfback position with the possible return of Anthony Orange at the boundary cornerback position. Check out the Edmonton uh, depth chart for that. But on the season, Eskimos 17.6% of targets, two boundary slotback players, 68.8% completion rate, 56.1 yards per game. It is a little bit of an opportunity position against that very difficult Edmonton defense. Not a lot going to boundary wide receivers, not a lot to the field side. And for the most part, that's where teams maybe are eating. RJ Harris comes in at $6,812 on CFL and TSN. Over on the Eskimo side, also a boundary slotback receiver, Ricky Collins, the big guy that's breaking through this season. He's got a ton of chemistry with it. Trevor Harris, 56 targets on the season, 35 catches, 8 targets per game, 7 targets and 6 catches last week against the Stampeders. He'll be going up against Corey Tindall, 21.2% of the targets against the Red Blacks boundary halfback, 64% completion rate and 47.6 yards per game. He's coming in at $7,179 on CFL and TSN. Collins, the right up there with the league leaders, I believe he's the leading yardage guy in the CFL, or are you looking at the guy that's returning to the lineup in R.J. Harris this week, Ben? Yeah, I don't want anyone from Ottawa versus Edmonton. That's just an ugly matchup to think about targeting. Edmonton's only allowing about 47 plays per game to opposing offenses and less than 7 yards per target to opposing receivers. Harris really hasn't had that breakthrough game yet, and I don't expect it to happen on very few opportunities, frankly, versus Edmonton this week. I think he's a guy I like a fair bit more in future and coming weeks now that he's healthy again. But between the two, certainly Collins would be my favorite pick. I think with the uncertainty that we have with health a little bit still with Daniels and Ellingson this season and what kind of strength they're going to be back at coming into the lineup, Collins is going to be a consistent player who's getting his nine targets a game, and that 7000 isn't cheap, but it's certainly not overpriced. You know, you, the word that kind of jumps out to me is Ricky Collins is Trevor Harris's security blanket. Maybe he could be your security blanket in your lineup, as you say, Ben. A little bit of a safe option there, even though maybe a little bit more of a dollar amount. We'll get to that with building a lineup in a, in a few minutes here. The final game on the week, the BC Lions and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Brian Burnham 
He uh, was out of the lineup for one game this season, but continues to pace the BC Lions from that boundary slot back position. 53 targets, 33 catches, 8.8 targets per game. Uh, Two weeks ago in the Lions game, he had eight targets and five catches. He'll be lining up, and this is one of my favorite players to watch, Cariel Brooks of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. 20.9% 20.9% of to- total targets against the Ticats are going his way. 56.9% completion rate. That's the third best of boundary halfbacks and 52.1 yards per game. Brian Burnham, the, a big number there, $8,308 on CFL and TSN against uh, a Hamilton team that wants to bounce back after a tough week last week where they were missing this guy, Brandon Banks, likely in at the field slot back. On the outside, 61 targets, 42 catches, 10.2 targets per game Brandon Banks is looking at. Of course, he didn't play last week against the Rough Riders. He'll be matched up likely against TJ Lee, 19.6% target percentage, 76.7 completion rate. That's fairly high for a field side player and 71.9 yards per game. He's giving up plenty of yards. But Brandon Banks, boy, $14,000. I'm, I'm thinking, looking at this, you might just say leave both of these out of there, Ben. Or would you say give one of them a chance between Burnham and Banks? I can't imagine spending up for either of these guys at their current rates. I think both of them are very talented receivers, but both of them are just frankly really overpriced given their current situations. Burnham has seen his rates plummet quite a bit this season despite the new quarterback. Everybody thought Riley would be the answer. Instead, it's kind of been just adding new questions as his catch rates have dropped and his yards per target have dropped quite a bit. Banks, I think, has as much upside as any player in fantasy, but 14000 is just unreasonable given a $40,000 salary cap. And we have yet to see what the chemistry or the connection could look like between him and Dane Evans. I think Devin Evans is a good deep ball quarterback and Banks is the best deep ball receiver in the league, but whether they'll be able to make things happen at a consistent rate is difficult to see. I think if any team it could happen against, it will be BC giving up over two touchdowns a game through the air, and Burnham will have probably the worst opportunity between the two, given that Hamilton's only given up about 7.6 yards per target, and they've only given up a couple touchdowns through the air all season to this point. If I was going to take any receiver from that game, Braylon Addison, just around 6,000, is somebody that could have some interest in, given he had about 10 targets this last game and a few carries out of the backfield with Anthony Coombs totally ineffective. The activation of Cam Marshall in that backfield for Hamilton this week probably means those carries go away for Addison, but I think he could still run a fair number of drag routes underneath that could get his high number of targets back near where it was in week eight. Ben, you could finally put your flag down. I know you've been waving the flag trying to get Cameron Marshall into the Hamilton lineup and and switch the ratio over from a Canadian player, so Hopefully with Marshall in the lineup, that'll sure up maybe the, the ground game for the Ticats, as you mentioned, and allow someone like Braylon Addison, who I also love this week, uh, a little bit of a, a safety blanket for Dame, Dane Evans as well in the field, slot back on the inside. There might be opportunity there against Chris Edwards, who for the BC Lions is struggling a little bit at the Sam linebacker spot. So from there, let's transition right into top plays, and, and I think... Hearing from what you're saying, it seems like there's a, a, a few teams here where there's opportunity against 
Um, some also rounds. It seems like we've got a little bit outside of maybe the Calgary game of good teams against teams that might struggle offensively. So let's start with your top QB plays for this week. Yeah, I think at the quarterback position, we've really got three options that are worth looking at, all at three very distinct tiers in the pricing. Cody Fajardo comes in on top of the projections by less than a whole point over Trevor Harris, but his price tag comes in kind of mid-tier at only 8400 Saskatchewan offense is leading the league in yards per target, and they've certainly taken major strides from the 2018 campaign that was so dismal. Montreal's given up the third most yards per target in the league this year, and it looks like Fajardo should have plenty of opportunity to be able to throw through the air. They've also given up five touchdowns on the ground to opposing quarterbacks, so his game looks to play straight into what Montreal tends to allow a fair bit. If players want to spend up to the top tier, Trevor Harris, Price just about 12,000 makes him one of the worst values at the quarterback position, but for overall raw production, he still looks pretty good versus Ottawa, who's given up about as many yards as you can imagine through the air just behind Toronto and giving up a fair number of touchdowns as well. So Harris probably provides a little bit safer floor through the air than Fajardo, but Fajardo probably has a little bit more rushing upside at a much lower price. The punt option for players this week could be Dane Evans. He looked pretty bad in the first half versus Saskatchewan, but he pulled it together a little bit and managed just under 200 passing yards last week, a passing touchdown, and had a few yards as well on the ground. He's not naturally an athletic running type quarterback, so I don't expect those to stick around on a week-to-week basis, but versus BC, giving up more than two touchdowns a week through the air, I think this is about as good an opportunity as Evans is going to have to show what he can do in this league, and the return of Banks to the lineup will certainly help him out. I think Addison has enough deep speed that he could get a little bit deeper targets this week, whereas last week most of it was underneath, but I I think we could see a little bit deeper aerial attack that could certainly make him pay off value with only about 200 yards and a touchdown again this week at just under $6,000. Yeah, that BC Lions team, of course, coming off the bye week. And, and I think the benefit for the Hamilton Tiger Cats is that this is a Saturday Saturday game for them against BC. So maybe a little bit extra preparation. And as you say, building up that uh, chemistry. Banks has that ability, as you mentioned as well. He can go deep. He can keep teams honest and uh, maybe be a little bit of a decoy as well to open things up as you mentioned for maybe guys like Braylon Addison or hello Luke Tasker you out there Luke Tasker we're hoping to have a breakout game from you this week or this season at some point because it's been a quiet year so far from the uh, top tie cats receiver for a number of years here Uh, over to the wide receiver spot who do you like this week who are the safe plays in your mind Well, Banks is on top of the projections as he's usually going to be given his historic rates, but it's hard to imagine him paying off a $14,000 price tag. So I think he's pretty much totally out of consideration due to his salary. Kyron Moore is second in the projections, largely buoyed on the fact that he has deep speed that can get a touchdown versus Montreal that's giving up the second highest rate of yards per target this season. And he's going to get the added value of punt returns, certainly, and possibly some kick returns as well with the departure of Christian Jones and the injury to Lucia's Purifoy. So I like Moore a lot this week. If you're dropping down a little bit from there, as you mentioned, Braylon Addison gets a matchup with BC that makes him a good bet to get a touchdown this week. He's certainly a guy that I like priced a fair bit below with just a mid-tier price range at 6000 And then there's dropping down all the way to the value plays. You get the Devontae Deadmans of the world who are probably going to have the opportunity to put up some big numbers as a returner, but as well have that added value of an extra three or four targets a game. It looks like 
Noel Thomas will probably head to the bench and Caleb Hawley will give up a few targets as well as they try and get Deadman involved in an offense that just hasn't been moving the ball consistently and be able to get a little bit more of that magic back they'd seen in the last few years with Deontay Spencer returning kicks and adding his six or seven targets a game in the offense. If players are looking for a couple of other cheap options, Kenny Lawler at 2500 has the opportunity for a big play as he showed as an 80-plus yard reception for a touchdown back a couple weeks ago, but it's certainly a boomer bust kind of look for him. The matchup versus Calgary is something that would scare most of us away on a regular basis. Quan Bray is similarly priced, low around 4300 We talked about him earlier as well. The matchup gives him an opportunity, but Pipkin is a little bit scary as well. So I think for most folks, you're probably going to be praying up for Moore, maybe Addison, and then taking the minimum punt price for Devontae Deadman. Yeah, what like you said with Deadman, maybe it is a Deadman walking into your lineup because uh, he looked pretty good there in the return game and uh, getting him in the offense. Deontay Spencer is the one. I know a lot of people on Twitter, the comparison that we're seeing a lot with Deadman is Pinball Clemens and uh, Pinball Clemens from that slot back position, owned teams through the late 90s, working with Doug Flutie, but I don't know if Dom Davis is quite Doug Flutie as a quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't bank on that one. Moving on to the running backs, and uh, again, Andrew Harris was your big one last week. Do you trust him this week against the Stampeders, or who is your big play to look for from the running back position? Like Banks, I think Harris is just dreadfully overpriced this week, given the matchup and the situation that he's in. He put up a lot of great points so far this season, but Calgary is giving up fewer than four yards per carry so far this season at just about over 3.8. And there was a men matchup last year for Harris versus Calgary. We had seven carries for 13 yards out of the two matchups that he played with them so the floor possibility is certainly quite low in single digit fantasy production for him this week I think it's a little bit too much of a risk to pray up for the near $12,000 price tag if he gets the 10 targets that he's been getting then certainly he has the opportunity to get close to value but I think it's a lot riskier proposition given some of the cheaper plays that are available this week that should get similar workloads at a lot lower price tag. You've got Romar Morris coming in versus that same Winnipeg defense priced under 4000 and expected to get close to a full workload for the Stampeders in the backfield. They're the worst rushing offense in the league so far this season, so it's not as though he's got a clear path to fantasy glory, but anytime you can get a starting running back that's going to get 12 to 15 touches at that kind of price tag under 4K, he's going to be a pretty solid lock for value. I think the other ones that you can look at this week is maybe Crockett hopefully turns things around, but he's going to have a tough go getting enough volume to be able to make it happen. You could go the Cam Marshall route, who's priced pretty affordably, but I think one of the ones that is really going to be interesting is seeing what Jeremiah Johnson does for Montreal versus Saskatchewan. The Rough Riders are one of the average rush defenses in the league. They're not quite up there, and they're giving up two defensive tackles this week with the loss of Zach Evans and Micah Johnson to injury. So there may be a little bit more room for Johnson to work, and they'll probably lean on the run game quite heavily as they have all season as they've been one of the few teams to rush more often than they've been passing especially with Pipkin under center and his interception proclivities. I think Johnson could get one of the heaviest workloads in the league this week. Yeah, that totally makes sense, especially like you said, those two big guys down the middle for the Rough Riders. And uh, I might 
might have Solomon Elamimian chasing all over the field against his former teammate with the BC Lions. And finishing up with the defenses here, uh, we've seen some pretty good performances. I, I know that we've got some high-priced defenses, but is that the route we're going to go with this week, or is there a value play that you're looking at this week? I think Edmonton is a defense that I'm looking at as probably the highest projected fantasy defense. Their price tag isn't quite as affordable as some of the other ones, but the opportunity to play against Ottawa and uh, the turnovers that come out of Dom Davis on a regular basis and the sacks are going to be a possibility for them with them near the top of the league and that statistic on defense makes them probably the highest projected defense on the week. Hamilton is a little bit more affordable, under 4,000 and still in a good matchup to target given that BC has given up over 20 sacks so far this season, just about four a game and Hamilton is close to the league lead in that statistic. So I think they're a little bit more affordable and probably the best value defense if people are looking to spend down a bit at that position. Yeah, one of my favorite players to watch this season has been Ja'Garrett Davis. You saw it a couple weeks ago in the fourth quarter against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was all over Matt Nichols. It could be a repeat of that against the BC Lions this week. It could be Mike Riley that's the one that's getting chased over the all over the field by the former Calgary Stampeder. Stampeder. So, Ben, we've got it from there. We've got kind of the top plays. We're building our lineup. I assume listening, there's a couple there that you kind of see are pretty safe ones. I think when you're looking at it, you can get some salary relief at a couple positions there. I'm assuming do you start, then with Cody Fajardo at your quarterback. Yeah, I think if you want to start at quarterback, that would be my top choice. When you're going to line up construction this week, usually I like to start with my stars and then work out to which value plays I'm going with. But this week, there aren't a lot of high-priced players that really pop as clear plays. And so I might start building the other way around with knowing which value plays I'm going to have in my lineup as the top per dollar options and then building out to the stars from there. As I mentioned, Devontae Deadman's going to be tough to avoid at only 2,500, and I think you can lock him into the flex spot at the bottom of your lineups right away. I think Kyron Moore is probably one of the safest plays at wide receiver, and you can click him in there pretty quickly. From there, you can go to running back and look that Romar Morris is so cheap, he's going to be difficult to avoid, and I think Jeremiah Johnson or Cameron Marshall probably make up that second RB spot. From there, you can decide how much cash you've got left and decide which one of those three tiers of quarterbacks you want to spend into. If you're going to go a little bit cheaper at receiver with an Addison or one of the other kind of sub-4K guys, you can probably afford to go to Fajardo or maybe even Harris at the $9,000 or $12,000 price ranges. If you really want an Andrew Harris in your lineup this week versus Calgary or want some of those other high-priced receivers, whether it's an Ellingson or Collins or some of those guys that are priced up in the 8 9 k range, you'll probably have to drop down to the Dane Evans at quarterback and just hope that the continued struggles of the BC Divins give him up a couple of passing touchdowns through the air and turn him into a good value. And you talk about that Hamilton Ticats offense. Do you see kind of any opportunity maybe pairing Dane Evans with Brandon Banks? I'm sure there will be people that want Speedy to be in their lineup. Is there a possibility of constructing a lineup that might work out with that? I think it's not the worst possible decision you could make but it's in that bottom five percent of worst decisions that you could possibly make for this week i think fourteen thousand is just an egregious price tag for any player in this kind of a salary cap system and there's really not too much reason to think that he's going to pay off that tag with a backup quarterback in there there's not enough data to back up as a really 
logical decision. If people want to play the angle of he's the best player in the game, so I want him in my lineup, then go ahead. But I think you're probably going to be sacrificing a fair bit of value at other positions by spending up that high there. Yeah, and I I think that uh, if you're gambling on that, you might be a little bit desperate and end up in the cold. This has been fun, Ben. Any final thoughts as we head into week number nine in the CFL season? I think it's always good to make sure that you're not chasing points from previous weeks with Deadman or with Harris or some of these other players that have put up big weeks kind of out of nowhere. But this week, it's going to be pretty difficult to avoid Deadman at only 2,500. And generally, it's nice to have the top projected player in your lineup at receiver and running back. But the matchups and surrounding situations put Harris and Banks kind of out of consideration. So I think you're probably building with a lot more mid-tier players rather than a Stars and Scrubs kind of opportunity. And good luck, everybody, trying to figure out where you're going with this one. It's an interesting week, and uh, week nine, we're heading into that August part of the season. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that Kenny Stafford trade as maybe the Saskatchewan Roughriders starting to think about salary from the NFL cuts. The teams start transitioning a little bit with players in and out of the lineup, but one of the things that you can count on in the CFL and TSN game is in the late part of the season, the guys that have produced are going to have those big values, and you're already seeing that from guys like Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris. You can find us on Twitter, CFL Fantasy FTB. Ben is at, at Ben Yamen, B E N Y A M E N. I am at Dan underscore UK1. And then you can find Dave also at Dave Dawson7 on Twitter. Also, maybe give our Instagram page a, fo- a follow. We might have some info up on there. But uh, have a good week, number nine. Dave should be back in the saddle this week. This has been fun, Ben. But that'll do it for episode number 86. Make sure to keep those big money guys a little bit of a consideration, but definitely see if you can find some values this week. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast. To find out the very latest for your weekly CFL Fantasy lineup, follow us on Twitter at CFL Fantasy FTB.